Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. On today's episode of Foresight Friday Roundup, we're going to talk about for-profit hospitals and not-for-profit hospitals. We're going to talk about how they're different, how they're the same, and how they're different and the same at the same time. Confused? I know I am. Here to sort it all out on Foresight Friday Roundup are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Gary Bisbee, co-founder and executive chairman of the Health Management Academy. Dave, Gary, how are you guys doing on this Friday morning before a long holiday weekend? Morning. I'm well, thank you. Happy Friday, folks. <laughs> Same day, different crap, Dave. Uh, my my mother-in-law once gave me a uh, sweatshirt with that on it, except it didn't say crap. <laughs> All right, it's a family show. So uh, before we talk about the differences between for-profit and not-for-profit hospitals, uh, let's talk about the weekend. Dave, how are you going to celebrate Labor Day during a deadly viral pandemic, which I don't think you've done before. Uh, that's right. Normally, we'd be uh, marching in the Wiggums Labor Day Parade, uh, where nobody watches and everybody marches. Uh, but we've taken social drinking to an art form on our deck. And while we still have some nice weather in Chicago, we're doing a bunch of that. In fact, Dave, you should come over sometime. That sounds good. I'll bring my mask and a cooler. <laughs> All right, Gary, how about you? You going anywhere or doing anything uh, safely, I hope? Safely, for sure. Barbecue with the family uh, on my deck. So keep it simple. All right. Uh, my boys are planning on camping out in the yard. So uh, maybe I'll pretend uh, I'm a bear and eat their food or see what they have to drink. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about hospital ownership. Uh, Dave, there's been a lot of research out lately that looks at hospital ownership and hospital behavior. You know, what have you seen that tells you that for-profits and not-for-profits are different? Well, Dave, I think there are two big differences between um, profits and for-profit hospitals, even though they're ostensibly in the, in the same business. Um, the first is an operating orientation. For-profit hospitals just tend to run much more tightly. Uh, for example, payroll and benefits as a percentage of net revenues tends to be a about 40%. Uh, when you look at most nonprofit hospitals and systems, that percentage rises to the mid-50s and, and sometimes even higher. For-profits don't uh, aggregate cash. Uh, they, they pay it out in the form of profits and dividends to, um, to shareholders. Uh, they do have some retained earnings. But since nonprofits don't have to do that, they tend to aggregate very large levels of investment reserves, uh, which I think shapes the operating orientation. So very different operating orientation. The second big difference is that the nonprofits are under significantly more public scrutiny because of their nonprofit status. Executive salaries are always the subject of local news reports. When profit margins get greater than 5%, internal and external constituencies uh, come out of the woodwork demanding resources. It's just a much more visible enterprise. To bring it home, about three years ago, political Politico Dan Diamond at Politico did a major investigative report on the Cleveland Clinic 
kind of a hatchet job. The, the title was something to the effect that the clinic is doing great under Obamacare, but the surrounding neighborhood uh, isn't. And the implicit bias in the piece was it wasn't enough for the clinic to be doing great research, uh, great medical education, and incredible clinical care. They also needed to be in workforce empowerment, uh, economic development, and, and community investment. You know, nobody writes these kinds of articles about HCA. Uh, and I sometimes wonder if nonprofits just had the same tax status as, as for-profits wouldn't be able to operate with much more uh, flexibility and um, efficiency. Interesting. Thanks, Dave. Gary, same thing. Uh, what have you seen that tells you for-profits and not-for-profits are different? I think Dave laid out the framework nicely. Let me go back to roughly 40 years ago when the first investor-owned representative joined the American Hospital Association Board of Directors. Um, and I say that because before then, uh, investor-owned or for-profit hospitals were thought to be very poor quality, all profit. And if you looked at many of the properties, many of the hospitals that the investor-owned companies in those days picked up, they had not, even when they had been government-owned or not-for-profit, they really, the quality of care probably didn't stack up. If you look at the difference today, I think that what you would say over the 40 years is nonprofits have become much more like investor owns on the efficiency front that they've talked about. And the investor owns have become more like the nonprofits on a quality front. And if that trend continues, as I expect it would, I will, I don't think that the difference between the two will be as pronounced as it was historically. Now, as Dave said, the nonprofits have a different position in their community. The investor-owned are able to pick and choose a bit more uh, in terms of what properties they own, so on. I think that the all investor-owned aren't the same. I think if you look at HCA versus certain other investor-owned, you'd find there would be a difference in commitment of dollars, research dollars, and likely quality and outcomes. But then if you look at the nonprofits, there's a pretty good variation as well. So bottom line is, uh, I think we're at a point where investor-owned hospitals out of all hospitals are now roughly 20%. So they're here to stay. And the question is, if we're concerned about issue of quality and outcomes, how can we encourage the investor owns to evolve what they're doing? I do think that the nonprofits have learned a lot from the investor owns about efficiency, and I think that's a good thing. So bottom line is it's a mixed bag in my point of view. Got it. Uh, Dave, anything to add to Gary's comments about how they're different? Well, the really, really interesting sense of the, the history that Gary just provided, probably the biggest difference from 40 years ago, and, and Gary was at the forefront of this with the Health Management Academy, is whether for-profit or non-profit, we just have many, many more health systems. There was a health affairs report um, that came out in August 2020, last month, that said uh, in 2018, 
72% of hospitals are now in systems and 50% uh, of PCPs are now affiliated with health systems. And I think that more than anything else is, is driving the kind of similarity of operating behavior that, that Gary described uh, in his uh, very insightful comments. Uh, thanks, Dave. That's a, a good segue uh, into the next part of the conversation, and that is the similarities or are the similarities. Gary, what are you reading or seeing that tell you for-profit and not-for-profit hospitals behave the same way, and why do they behave the same way? You know, Dave made the point about the Politico report on the Cleveland Clinic, and I think the problem is that a lot of the literature that I see tends to have some implicit bias one way or the other. And on one end of the spectrum is investor-owned hospitals are exactly the same as nonprofits. The other end of the spectrum is the nonprofits are substantially better off than or have better outcomes than the investor-owned. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. My observation is, again, if you look at the top-tier investor-owned, I think the the outcomes are similar. Now, do they cherry pick a bit? Do they have some of them, for example, don't have emergency rooms? They can locate their hospitals in high net worth areas and so on. So yes, I do think that that goes on. And it's something that over time, I think will kind of wash out terms of these differences. The other thing, if you look at HCA, again, I think is different than many other investor-owned hospitals, but uh, hospital systems. But if you look at HCA and you look at the quality of some of the leaders that they've picked up, I mean, virtually the entire Vanderbilt information technology group is now at HCA. And you look at, for example, Dr. John Perlin, who is a senior clinical person at HCA. He's a you know, renowned individuals. So I think some of the intermixing of people is continuing to go on, and that will cause more and more similarity between the two. Dave, what research are you seeing that tells you for-profits and not-for-profits are the same? And uh, also, what role is private equity playing in that equation? John Perlin, is, as Gary mentioned, is is just a great guy. He did terrific work at the VA and has now been at HCA for several years and uh, leading, uh, you know, very impressive quality and outcomes work there. Uh, and HCA is making massive investments in AI, augmented intelligence, and and um, supply chain and so on. And um, I think. There's a lot to learn from them, uh, particularly on the back office management. And maybe that gets us into the question of what's the same. The question of uh, the, the deal, societal deal, is that in exchange for very significant tax breaks, nonprofit hospitals uh, give back to their societies an amount greater than the, the tax benefit. And that tax benefit or the benefit of tax exemption, some research I've done, I think is pushing toward um, $40 billion a year, which is roughly equivalent to capital expenditures among in healthcare on an annual basis. So it's a big number. And there have just been a number of studies, Dave, that show that when it looks at the purest form of give back charity care, so providing care for those who can't pay for it, there's very little difference between nonprofit and for-profit 
The AHA publishes a report each year trying to make the case that the societal benefit is far greater than the uh, benefit. And they come up with a number that approaches 100 billion, say, versus that 40 billion. But 70% of that is shortfall in payment on Medicare, Medicaid, and other, other contracts, which, of course, for-profits can't claim. So I don't think we see a big difference there, which then raises the question of, is the tax exemption worth the benefit that society receives? Dave, anything on private equity? There's some research out that shows they cost more once they acquire a hospital, but perhaps quality goes up. Do you see that happening and you think it'll happen more? I think a private equity is a heat-seeking missile for profits. And uh, it's a little like nuclear <laughs> energy. It, uh, it has beneficial and detrimental uses. But you certainly are seeing private equity uh, come into healthcare in a big way, both in the hospital and the physician roll-ups and so on. And I think they are heat-seeking missiles for profit. So if they see opportunities to raise prices, they're going to take that. If they see benefit in being able to have higher quality scores and so on, they'll do that as well. So I, I almost think of it as an amoral force. But the, probably the biggest risk for society at large is the extent to which we have perverse incentives built into the payment models. I think private equity will exploit those uh, even more aggressively than the publicly traded or nonprofit. Uh, uh. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Gary, any, anything to add to Dave's comments? Well, inherent in what Dave said is that if you look at the Medicaid coverage, for example, do the investor-owned hospitals have the same proportion of Medicaid patients that the nonprofits do? And I think the answer to that is no, they don't. Uh, the nonprofits definitely take more of the Medicaid patients. Uh, but then Kaiser doesn't have uh, a large proportion of Medicaid patients either. So it's a tough issue. I think that we're at the point where the quality and outcomes from investor-owned health systems is kind of at the norm. So I don't think the quality issue is such a big issue. I do think there's a difference in specialty care. There's a difference in emergency room care. There's a, not a difference in our quality. It's just that a lot of the investor owns don't have emergency rooms. I think the nonprofits take care of more Medicaid patients and perhaps more Medicare patients. So there's definitely a difference there. Will that even out over time? My guess is it will continue to, but as Dave really said, you know, the incentive structure of healthcare is off and it needs to be, as we discuss on this show repeatedly, it needs to be changed to offer the right incentives to the right people at the right time. And when that happens, then I don't think the difference between investor-owned and nonprofits is going to be an issue. I think at that point, it's just, uh, let's get the incentives right and this will even out. Got it. Thanks, Gary. Now, as always, let's talk about next week. Uh, Gary, what's the what's the big healthcare story after Labor Day weekend? I'm still thinking that it's the national presidential election and how healthcare is going to play in that. Coronavirus likely is going to influence the outcome of this election. Six months ago, we said Trump was a shoe in. 
three months ago, we said Biden was a shoe in. Now, you know, it's tightening, but it's all driven, I think, by coronavirus. So how that fares will really influence the election, in my opinion. They're starting to try to telegraph that there's going to be a vaccine before November 2nd. If that's true, timing will be interesting. Obviously, if they're going to start marketing it, it's not going to be this year that anybody's going to receive it, really. So if it's available, so be it. But in any event, long-winded way of saying, I, I still think it's the national election is going to be the key issue in healthcare. Dave, uh, <laughs> what's the post-Labor Day healthcare buzz? Well, the, the election really will suck up almost all the air. But one thing I noticed last week uh, that gets to our incentive discussion from earlier is that the American Hospital Association is uh, taking the administration to court on the site neutrality regulation, basically saying that you can't charge differential prices for the same service. And that's a big one. Short term, I think that's, that's good for hospitals. Uh, means they'll be able to charge more for MRIs and so on in ambulatory facilities. But I think longer term, they're, they're sowing the seeds for their own displacement because so many healthcare products really are commodities. And as pricing becomes transparent, the ability to manipulate prices through payment formularies may still exist, but it's just going to reflect badly on the providers themselves. And I'd prefer to see the institutions trying to figure out how do we how do we make it work under site neutrality because that's the way the market is going to take payment instead of spending so much effort trying to hold back the tide. Got it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, I have this vision in my head of walking at toward my polling place and somebody handing me a sugar cube with a vaccine in it and somebody saying, you know, don't forget where, who gave that to you, right? The trouble is when you take it, your hair is going to turn orange. That's the, uh, <laughs> all right. All right. That's, that's great. Well, thanks again uh, to both of you for a, a great conversation as always. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed today, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.